Hollywood is a place where they'll pay you a thousand dollars for a kiss and fifty cents for your soul. Marilyn Monroe. Welcome to the Jammiest Bits of Jam Storytelling Podcast, where we celebrate short fiction stories written by women. Each month, we choose a theme and share stories based on that theme for you, Giggle Mugs. Today's theme is Hollywood. We begin with a story written by Lacey Lemp from Southern Illinois and read by Christina Kishbaugh and Cassie Soliday, entitled The House of Raina. Raina Davenport sat restless on a Shea lounge by the window. She watched the rain pour heavily, soaking and flooding the yard outside. Well, Raina, a small portly man with balding brown hair said, looks like if this doesn't clear up, we won't be filming tonight. Wally, you're the producer. Can't we relocate? She asked pleadingly. Sorry, dollface. We're just going to have to wait it out. How dreadful. I wish I was back home. In my silk robe. With my little puppy tinsel. All curled up on my lap in front of a roaring fire. With Butch making us cocktails. And telling me how his movie is progressing. She sighed and stared out the window. Hey, I know you miss Butch and tinsel. But look at it like this, toots. We're safe, warm. We can still shoot a little of this inside stuff. I hate this old, musty house. She pouted. It's so dank and dreary. Almost like it's haunted. Now come on. Mr. McDaniel was very kind to let us use his house for this movie. And I'm not going to let you disparge him. Now go get dressed and prepare for the staircase entrance. Raina did as she was told and went to her room to change and put on her makeup. No assistants, no wardrobe people, not even one person to pour her a drink. She didn't know how she was going to survive. Whose idea was it to shoot this movie in the middle of nowhere anyways? It was 1925 for crying out loud. Stars were supposed to be treated with respect. Now she was reduced to fixing her own hair, all because some visionary wanted to shoot on location. She brushed her long, silky black hair and tied it up in a bow. She applied a light smudge of blush as her cheeks were naturally rosy and just a dab of dark red lipstick to plump her lips and make them sultry. When she was finally satisfied with her appearance, she left her room and went downstairs. The camera crew took their hats off as she walked by, looking down at the ground and muttering good evening as she strode by. Wally was talking to a tall, handsome gentleman in a dark green smoking jacket when she walked in. Ah, Raina. Look who showed up for a visit. The tall gentleman looked over at Raina with smoky gray eyes. She shuddered involuntarily and averted her gaze. This is Mr. McDaniel, the owner of the house. Charles. The man said, walking over to Raina. He took her hand in his and kissed it gently. A pleasure to meet you. Stories of your beauty have not done you justice. You are far more exquisite than I could have ever imagined. Raina blushed and gasped when her hand was kissed. She didn't understand why she was so taken back by this man. She had never met him. They had arrived a week ago, and she hadn't so much as laid eyes on him. Yet there he was, in front of her now, captivating and intriguing in a way that she didn't quite understand. It felt like hours had passed when he released her hand and she gasped softly. How do you do? She curtsied a little and looked into his eyes, a gray she had never seen before. They were absolutely remarkable. Raina. Wally asked, putting a hand on her shoulder and breaking the trance. Oh, I apologize. She took her hand back slowly. 
I've come by to check on the progress of your movie, he said with a gravely voice. It's going well, Mr. McDaniel. Somewhat behind schedule with the rain. But we were getting ready to film the staircase scene. By all means, don't let me stand in your way. Mr. McDaniel bowed a little and took his leave of the two. Raina, get to the top of the stairs so we can shoot the scene, Wally said, ushering her up the stairs. She nodded and followed along, but her mind was still on Mr. McDaniel. How mysterious he was. How charming. She made her way to the top and took her position. They began rolling, and she began her descent down the dark wooden steps. As she made her way down, past various portraits on the wall, one seemed to resonate with her. An uneasy feeling coursed through her, and she heard a whisper. You'll never get out alive. She lost her footing and slipped, tumbling down the rest of the hard wooden steps to the landing at the bottom. The crew rushed to her side, shouting for the medic on standby. Morning came, and she awoke with a throbbing headache. She groaned and sat up in bed. Her body ached all over, and she was sure something was broken. Now, now, Raina, you mustn't overdo it. Wally rushed to her side, his balding blonde hair a mess and the rest of him just as disheveled. You took a nasty tumble, dollface. Better take it easy. What happened, Wally? She asked groggily. I feel like I got hit by a car. You fell down the stairs, remember? She shook her head. Well, I guess that's to be expected. Just then, there was a knock on the door. Mr. McDaniel stood in the doorway with a bouquet of roses in his hand. I thought break a leg was just a figure of speech. He chided. Raina smiled and sat up in bed. He walked into the room and handed her the roses. It's just a sprained ankle, Charles. Nothing major. They're so beautiful. She smelled them smiling. Wally glared daggers at Mr. McDaniel. How could this have happened? He huffed angrily. Old rickety stairs. Nothing serious. Mr. McDaniel smiled at Wally. Nothing serious? Nothing serious? My lead actress just broke her leg falling down your stairs. We ought to take you for everything you got, mister. Wally huffed and wiped his sweaty brow. Now, now, Wally, there's no need of getting upset. I heard something and it distracted me. It was my own fault I fell. What did you hear? Mr. McDaniel asked. A woman's voice. I couldn't make out what she was saying. I guess it was just a creak of the board or a gust of wind through a crack. This house is very old and bound to make some protest from standing so long. Mr. McDaniel bowed a little to Raina and Wally. I need to leave now. But you take care and call me right away if you need anything. The number for your insurance guy, Wally shouted after him. Now you listen to me. Rest up, and we can still shoot the death scene tomorrow. You just have to lie down for that. You can always use Denise from faraway shots until you get all healed up. I asked the camera crew to come in and check on you once in a while. Make sure you had everything you need. I'd put you downstairs, but with all the equipment, it's just better for you up here. Raina nodded and leaned back against her pillow. Wally poured her a glass of white wine and fluffed her pillow before he left. She sipped her drink and stared out the thinly veiled window. Still raining. It seemed as though it would rain forever from where she was sitting. She wasn't sure how long she'd been sleeping when she heard a knock on her door. It was one of the crewmen to check in on her. She told him she was fine and to go back downstairs. Not a moment later, nature called. 
She yelled for someone to come up and help her, but it was no use. The house was so big, no one could hear her. She decided to try it herself. She pushed herself off the bed and grabbed the edge of the bed. She hopped alongside until she was at the door. She grabbed it and hopped into the hallway. If Wally could see her now, he'd have a fit. She hopped along the wall until she reached the bathroom. She opened the door and hopped inside. Perhaps while she was in there, she'd take a hot bath and try to make her ankle feel better. She began to run the water inside as she poured her favorite lavender-scented bubble bath in. She undressed and sank into the almost too hot water. She sighed and closed her eyes. She opened them and looked around the room. A large room with a mahogany finish and a carpeted floor. The sink was large for the room as well as the tub, but that just made her bath all the more luxurious, much more like how she was used to being treated. She looked up and saw a painting on the wall, medium-sized with a young blonde woman in the frame. Sullen, sad almost. Raina looked at the picture so long she didn't notice there was a knock on the door. Do you need anything, Miss Davenport? A muffled voice said through the door. No, thank you, I'm fine. My ankle feels much better now. <sighs> she smiled and pulled the plug and watched the bubble go down the drain. She got out and began to dry off and change. The drain made an odd sound, so she turned and looked down. There seemed to be a clog. She reached down in disgust and tweezed her slender fingers into the drain. She released the clog and the rest of the water went down easily. She looked at her hand and found a clump of blonde hair. She shook it violently into the trash and shuddered. She left the bathroom able to walk with only a slight limp now and headed back to her room. No need to give up such lovely pampering too soon, she thought. She laid back down in bed and, feeling very refreshed from her bath, fell into a peaceful sleep. So peaceful she didn't hear anyone come into the room. The next morning, Raina awoke with a smile. She stretched out and got out of bed. She put on her robe and made her way downstairs for breakfast. Hey, look who's up and walking! Wally came up and kissed her cheek. How you feeling, dollface? Much better, Wally. I think I'm able to finish shooting. Looks like we won't need Denise, after all. Not like she could compare to me anyways. Raina thought with a smirk. All right, then. Let's eat up and get rolling. The rain's finally letting up, so we can shoot the long-lost sister scene. Everyone ate and cleared the table before loading everything up and outside. Wally brought Sandra out and introduced her to Raina. Now this is your long-lost sister, Andrea. You two were separated when you were little, and you haven't seen each other for over 12 years. She's just coming from the city to see the old house and to see you. So I need you to run up to each other and grab each other in a big hug. Lots of tears and hugging. The girls nodded and took their places. The cameras began rolling and the girls ran towards each other, calling out and crying. When they finally reached each other, they fell to the ground hugging and laughing. Raina pulled back to look at her and screamed. Sandra's face was no longer Sandra. It was the girl from the portrait. She screamed again and scooted back on the ground. Wally rushed over to try to calm her down. Sandra was escorted off the set and backed into the house. It wasn't her! She kept screaming, sobbing into Wally's arm. It was that girl! The one from the painting! She cried until Wally had to half-carry, half-drag her back into the house. He called Mr. McDonald to come over right away. Maybe there was something he could do to help. Raina collapsed on her Shea lounge, sobbing uncontrollably. Not much later, she felt a hand on her shoulder. 
She looked up and saw Mr. McDaniel looking down at her. Heard you had a rough day, he said, sitting down next to her. Who is she? The woman in the painting in the bathroom, Raina said, clenching her teeth. Mr. McDaniel thought for a moment, then smiled. That was my wife, Amelia. She passed away a few years ago. Heart problems. He pulled Raina into him, patting her hair softly. Was it her face you saw instead of the other girls? Raina nodded. Well, I'm sure it was just a slight reaction from your tumble yesterday. You did hit pretty hard. She nodded wearily. I do feel very tired. Let's do one more take and I'll take a nap. I know I feel better then. She looked at Wally. Well, that's what you want, doll. They reshot the scene, much more convincing now that Raina's face was already red and tears shrieked. They reshot the scene, much more convincing now that Raina's face was already red and tears streaked. Going off without a hitch this time, they pulled it back in and called for lunch. Raina went upstairs to her room and laid down on her bed. She shook her head and closed her eyes. She slept soundly until she was awoken by a sound. Her door was open. Funny, she knew she'd closed it. She got up and closed it again, then went back to bed. She heard the door open again and cracked an eye open to see what was going on. She saw a shade of blue and opened her eyes. She saw the face of the wife, Amelia, staring down at her. You'll never get out alive. She screamed and bolted out of the room and down the steps. When she came into the living room, everyone rushed to her. She tried to drag Wally upstairs to show him what was going on, but he refused. You had a bad dream, he said, taking her hands in his. You've been stressed out since you came here. You hit your head, and now your mind is playing tricks on you. But I saw her. She's upstairs in my room. She pleaded and begged. Calm down, Raina. I'll go check and see if anyone's up there. It might be Sandra or Denise playing a trick on you or something. He let her lead him upstairs and into her room. There was nothing there. Everything was just as she'd left it a moment ago. I suppose I was dreaming. Raina sat on the bed. I'm such a fool. I let a little bad dream get the better of me. She laughed a little inside. <laughs> you know, Raina. Wally said, wringing his hands. Maybe this house isn't good for you. Let's pack it in and shoot the rest on the stage. It'll be easier than you going through all this. The director, Jim Williams, he wanted everything to be authentic. But not at this rate. Not if it's got his star all turned crossways. Raina nodded. She knew Wally was right. She was a nervous wreck, and it was only getting worse. Wally went back downstairs to tell everyone to start packing up. Raina got up and pulled out her suitcase. She began packing her things as well. Let me help. It's the least I can do, Mr. McDaniel said as he began laying things down on her bed to pack. You've been so kind, letting us use your house, putting you out like this. I'm sorry for all the trouble I've caused. Nonsense. You didn't cause any trouble. I think you're just used to sound stages and not big houses in the middle of nowhere, and your imagination got the better of you. She nodded and laughed. She finished packing and headed downstairs. She finished packing and headed downstairs. Everyone else was done as well. She likes an efficient crew. She bid goodbye to Mr. McDaniel and waited until everyone else was out of the house. She looked around one last time. 
everything was in order, just how it was when they came in. She shook her head for letting her imagination run wild before heading out the door. As her foot crossed the threshold, she felt a tug on her arm. She froze. She didn't want to turn around. You'll never get out alive. Yes, I will. She tugged on her arm, ripping the sleeve off her dress. What happened? Wally asked, looking at the torn sleeve. Just my imagination trying to get the better of me. I didn't let it, though. She smirked as they drove away. She'd proven Amelia wrong and gotten out alive. She sank down into the black leather seat and drifted off to sleep. She was shaken awake when they pulled in to get gas a few miles down the road. Where are your folks from? The serviceman asked. We just came from shooting a movie at the McDaniel house. Raina sat up in the seat. I'm Raina Davenport. This is my assistant and friend, Wally Bustler. How do you do, ma'am? Sir? However, if you don't mind me asking, what do you mean by the McDaniel house? The old farmhouse in the next town. Wally pointed down the road. I don't mean to be calling you folks liars by any means, but there's no way you could have done anything at the McDaniel's house. That place was torn down. Oh, about ten years ago. Raina and Wally looked at each other. Could Charles McDaniels have been lying to us then? Letting us film in someone else's house without their permission? Don't see how, said the serviceman. Mr. McDaniels died in that house. Killed his young wife. Pretty blonde thing. Name was, uh, Amelia. Yeah, real nice folks to everyone. He just kind of up and went cuckoo one day. Stopped letting people come to the house. Kept her locked inside. She had a heart condition, best I could remember, and basically he just did these crazy things and scared her to death. She had a heart attack in the bathtub one day. Then after, they found him in their bed, just lying there like he was asleep. No telling how long they were there. Only one that noticed was the lady at the drugstore that filled Amelia's heart pills. She called the cops and they went out there. It was a real shame. They tore down the house right after. Thing was once a great beauty. But he'd let it just decay. The serviceman laughed. <laughs> Don't know why I'm telling you folks this. I'm sure you saw the old rubble land on the highway. That'll be six dollars, sir. Wally reached a shaky hand into his wallet and pulled out a ten. <sighs> Keep the change. They pulled out fast and sped down the road. They were both taken by an uneasy feeling and started shaking. Wally adjusted the rearview mirror and focused on a blonde and older man sitting in the back seat. You'll never get out alive. From San Francisco, we now hear from Christina Kishpaw with her story, Blonde is Good. Blonde is best. <laughs> they told her that she had to change her hair. It was too straight, too brown. She was supposed to be the good girl, the golden-hearted heroine with curly locks to match. Dolly thought that this was hilarious because she always was the good girl. Back home in Ohio, while other girls went around with boys and smoked cigarettes, she would study and help her mother with her four younger siblings. Her hair was never the deciding factor of her innate goodness, or when she, on a rare occasion, did something off the level. Like when she and Bobby Houston kissed under the bleachers instead of going to study hall. Her hair didn't suddenly change to a short pitch-black bob, 
still long and brown. And when she did something especially good, like when she gave all of her weekly allowance to the collection play at church, her hair didn't suddenly become curly, bright, and blonde. Long and brown. Her hair had never been a definitive attribute. But suddenly she's being told it'll change everything. It's just symbolism, sweetheart. Brown is bad, blonde is good. You are playing the good girl. The man who told this to her had the darkest brown hair she had ever seen. But this was going to be her big break. Her first big picture. It would get her a studio contract. She'd be making real films. She'd finally be able to tell her parents she had made it in Hollywood. Maybe they would stop asking her to come back. Telling her that Bobby Houston asked about her again at church. That he was such a nice boy. That they could have such a nice life together. Dolly didn't want a nice life. She wanted an extraordinary life. What about Judy Garland? What about her? Well, her hair was just like mine in The Wizard of Oz. She was playing a 12-year-old girl. You'll be playing a woman. And Judy Garland can do whatever she wants. She's Judy Garland. You ain't no Judy Garland yet, doll. He was right. She was just Dolly. What bothered her most was not actually dyeing her hair. It was the fact that she could not be seen as something she's always striven to be simply because of the color of her hair. As a blonde, she would seem innocent, but also glamorous. Marilyn Monroe seemed to enjoy it. Listen, Dolly, the part calls for blonde hair. My hands are tied. If you don't do the dye, then you don't get the part. Simple as that. You let me know. I got another meeting now. She nodded and got up to leave his office. As she walked down Hollywood Boulevard that hot summer day, she began to notice all the ways women would wear their hair. Buns and updos and bobs and ponytails and curls. Her own long brown hair was up in a bun. She spotted a blonde woman approaching her. She was smoking a cigarette, her blouse unbuttoned where it was more of an invitation to look than a piece of clothing. She wore high heels that looked like black spikes. Sounded like they may puncture the cement they walked on. Dolly watched her walk past and into the same office she walked out of. Fifteen minutes later, Dolly was sipping on hot cocoa in the diner across the way when the blonde woman and her killer heels stomped in. She sat down two seats away from Dolly with a huff. Black coffee, please. Oh, and would you make it a little Irish? Dolly caught her eye and the woman squinted her dark eyelashes at her her blood red lips pursing. Ain't you Dolly Shipman? Uh, yes. She smiles and puts out her hand to shake. I thought I recognized you. Saw your picture in the production office. I'm Deirdre Cook. Deirdre Cook was the actress they had cast as Dolly's opposite in the film, the bad girl. Deirdre lit another cigarette and offered Dolly one. Dolly shook her head. How was your meeting? Deirdre rolled her eyes. Waste of time. He's got a lot of nerve. You know what he asked me to do? I still can't believe it. What? Asked me to change my hair to dark. Said because I was going to play the bad girl, I had to be brunette. What a bunch of crock. What did you tell him? I said, no way, Daddy-o. You could cast some other girl. Dolly sat back in her chair. She was speechless. Deirdre took another drop from her cigarette. My hair color doesn't mean nothing, doll. You want to know why? Dolly nodded. Deirdre closed the two-seat distance between them 
and gave Dolly a dangerous smile. Because I'll always be blonde, and I will always be bad. Our next story is by Cassie Soliday from Southern California, entitled Sunless. If Los Angeles is the town where the sun is always shining, then Hollywood is where the stars shine. Bullshit, Carla thinks to herself as she reads an article about how to make it in Hollywood. From a 20-something-year-old blogger named Rizzle, this ditz is nine years younger than me. What does she know? In a momentary rage, she opens up a message window on Gmail and begins to type really slowly with her index finger, key by key. Stop giving advice on how to make it in Hollywood when you're not even working in it. Send. Feeling quite proud of her accomplishment, she then goes back to the blog and clicks on the About page. It's a short bio listing that this blogger has worked at many studios as a production assistant and executive assistant. Huh. Shit, she might actually know what she's talking about. But still, Carla wants to be an actress, not a paper pusher. She sighs as she goes back to mindlessly scrolling through Facebook posts. Carla Carlene is about to turn 30. She moved to Los Angeles four months ago on her savings from working at Red Lobster in one step higher than Podunk, Missouri. Her savings will run out in one more month if she doesn't land an acting job like right now. She has went on to auditions. She is the worst. Yeah, Mom, sorry I didn't call sooner. I've been busy. A lawn chair is the only item of furniture she owns, and she found it in the dumpster outside her apartment complex. On it is an almost empty pizza box, which she eats out of for the entire week. One pizza equals one week worth of meals. Luckily, LA is a hotbed of gluten-free crust and vegan cheese, so the calories aren't too bad. Carla lies on the ground with legs and feet resting against the wall as she listens to her mom worry about her well-being. Well, honey, we can't really help you out right now. Is there any place hiring? No, mom. Pilot season doesn't happen until, like, May or something. I mean, like an office job or even retail. Just until you get your big break. Ugh, gag me. Carla has found herself getting into the groove of L.A., clothing at night, sleeping in late, going to the beach for a tan. The unfortunate thing about L.A. beaches is that nudity isn't allowed, and as a young actress, she must always be ready for her nude scene that will ultimately get her noticed for bigger roles. At least that's what her favorite blog, Hollywood Royalty, writes. In fact, this is where Carla gets most of her industry info. Based off of their recent article, A Starlet's Guide to Sunless Tanning, Carla is definitely thinking of giving it a try to be as nude-ready as possible for her future close-up. She looks at herself naked in the mirror. Not quite leading lady material. She grabs her love handles and shakes them a bit. Gross. She turns around to check the back of her legs. Cellulite. Gross. For a size 8, she deems herself gross. Throwing her auburn hair up in a bun, she takes off for a sunless starlet's tanning salon. It takes her 30 minutes to drive there, though it's only two miles away. 
damn this traffic. The salon is on the second floor of a cute but ghetto strip mall. As she hits the waiting area, she sees women walk out of the hallway, pull their big ColourPop sunglasses from their huge pink branded totes, and leave with their new tans. Each one with skin darker than before. Warm beige, rose gold, bronze. Each woman a thing of beauty. Carla wipes a tear from her eye behind her sunglasses. Carla, see? A voice calls to her from behind the reception counter. Room two is open. Rizzle is waiting for you. Carla stopped for a moment. Why does that name sound so familiar? She shrugged it off and continued walking down the hallway to room two, where a 20-year-old girl stood, tattooed from shoulder to wrist. Strip down, she said. Excuse you? Was all Carla could muster after an abrupt request like that. You want a full body spray? You gotta be naked. I mean, you don't. You could just keep your unders on if you're uncomfortable. Rizzo closed the door as Carla stood in the middle of a bare ventilated room with some ocean scene covering one of the walls. Uncomfortable? Um, not naked's fine. As Rizzo prepped her spray gun, Carla tossed each piece of her wardrobe aside. As she pulled her shirt over her head, she worried about her love handles. As she unzipped her pants and peeled them off of her legs, her thoughts raced to her thighs. Undoing her bra and slipping out of her panties were the hardest. She could barely do this with the men she slept with. Being drunk helps. Most of the time. As her clothes lay in the corner of the room, Rizzle turns to her with her face covered with a surgical mask. You ready? Carla is wearing absolutely nothing except suntan goggles and a shower cap in the middle of the room, her white Missouri fairness lighting the room more than the fluorescent ceiling light themselves. When we're done here, your skin will be sun-kissed and you'll look brand new. Oh, goody, Carla said. That's what I'm paying you for. Rizzle raised an eyebrow but said nothing in reply. She went behind Carla to start with the back of her neck and worked down to her thighs. Carla felt vulnerable at first, but after the shock of the spray creeping in her butt crack, Invasive started to feel... <sighs> freeing. The medium-powered misting was actually quite refreshing. She started to relax. How'd you hear about us? Rizzle asks. Uh, a Hollywood royalty. Yep, yep, Rizzle finishes spraying down Carla's legs and comes to the front. Their write-up has been like a godsend. I write for them, you know. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. I also do my own blog, too. Make my own content and whatever. As Rizzle's hand reaches up to Carla's ear to hide some hair that has fallen, Carla notices that her tattoo sleeve is a is material. It's not a real tattoo. Rizzle notices her noticing. Fake. She smiles. I want tattoos, but I also want gigs. I'm an actress. Mostly nude scenes. Really? Carla replies. What are you doing working here, then? Flexible hours. Decent pay. Rizzle stands up straight to look Carla in the eyes. She removes her mask from her mouth. And... I get to see celebrities naked. I know, I know. Weird, but honestly, it makes me feel better about myself. I mean, if they can do a nude scene, then I can, too.
Carla doesn't know what to make of her statement. I don't mean it in a harsh way. I'm only saying that I pay my bills, hours are flexible so that I can run off to auditions, and seeing celebrities' imperfections and insecurities are a reminder that I am not weird, (laughs) that I can belong to. Uh, uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, having a sense of belonging is awesome. Highly recommend it. This is her chance, Carla thinks. She completely underestimated her wisdom. This girl does know something about Hollywood. This isn't a nude role in an HBO pilot, but it may be the information she needs to be able to get there and to the next level of adulting where she's not asking for handouts. Rizzle? Yes, Carla C. How do I see celebrities naked? Like, do you have clients like Angelina and, and Witherspoon? Oh, yes. We do. And Megan Fox. It felt like it happened in a haze. The front desk receptionist signed Carla up for their next online certification training to be a sunless spray tanning technician and entered her into an intense payment plan. Her mother would be proud. As Carla was leaving, Rizal approaches the desk. Thanks for everything, Riz. Maybe my mother will get off my back now. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Congratulations. You won't regret it. They wave to each other as Carla leaves. The receptionist and Rizzle's eyes meet. Another actress? She hands Rizzle 30 bucks. You know it. Jamiest Bits of Jam is produced by Christina Kishbaugh and Cassie Soliday. Music composed by Grace Sai. Follow us on Facebook as Jamiest Bits of Jam Podcast or on Twitter at Bits of Jam Podcast. If you enjoy our show, Please share this episode with your friends and rate us on iTunes. With your help, we can promote the unique voices of women everywhere. To learn how you can contribute to the show with your own short story based on the next theme to the podcast, please email jammiestbits at gmail.com. Until next time, keep writing and embracing the most important thing that you have, your voice. Kiss on the head, maybe. One continental. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. <laughs> Whenever you're ready. <laughs> hey, I know you miss butch and tinsel, but look at it like this, toots. We're safe, warm. We can still have a little shoot of what? <laughs> I'm just we can start. still have a little shoot of meth if you want. <laughs> we can have some heroin. <laughs> Is that really the line? No. Okay. Hey, I know wait, you wait, miss... Wait, wait. <laughs> Go. Hey, I know you miss Butch and Tinsel, but look at it this way, tits. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> this guy is sketch. I want, I want all these outtakes. He's a right sketch now. guy. Okay, I'm going to try again. Okay. Tits. Wait. <laughs> Not like she could compare to me anyways. Yeah, fuck you, Denise. Raina thought. <laughs> well, now we have to record that over again. I thought I left it up for a pause. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm I think sorry. that we should just put, keep that in there. <laughs> yeah, I think it is.